What's the latest, everyone? Welcome back to episode 33 of the Ball is Life in the Paint show. Ronnie, you're here. You're back uh, from Vegas. Fantastic 40. You watched a little bit of the Ball is Life Junior All-American camp. Um, so the topic today is quite fitting. The evolution of the basketball skills trainer. The evolution, Ronnie. It's, I mean, it's come from not knowing who trainers were to knowing who every trainer on the block is uh, via social media, Instagram, Twitter, whatnot. Um, and we're going to have a, a couple of guests, uh, both old school and new school, uh, to kind of discuss the evolution of this. Ronnie, when you were a young gentleman in East Los Angeles, <laughs> uh, did your dad say, Ronnie, we're going to get you a trainer. We need you to get your ball handling better. You got to get quicker. You got to get more explosive. We're going to hire a trainer for you to get you ready for high school basketball. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think you know the answer, and it's it's good you mentioned that. It's funny, like, at that point, we were just happy that our parents could get away from their job to, like, go to our game, uh -huh. you know, and that was pretty cool. My dad went to one football game my senior year, I remember. We were playing Taft, so I obviously remember it. We were at home. And I thought that was cool. My parents, I was like, they took the time to drive up there to go to the game, and that's all, the, that's all I remember. They might have went to one basketball game. Uh, it just, you know, the games that were at 3 p.m., but uh, so they couldn't really get there. And that's one thing that's kind of funny when you talk about trainers, like how does everybody, A, afford this, and B, <laughs> how do they have chance to go to every single event I'm at? Right. Because, like, for the most part, now, again, we do things that, that sometimes just enjoy it. Like, I'm getting paid to go, but you're not getting paid to mm -hmm. go. How are you doing this the whole time? Right. So that's where I think you said all intersects now with 25 years later, you know, Sixth, seventh graders have trainers. Oh, that's my trainer. You know, how did we get here? Um, I, I've heard of high school players having trainers quite a long time ago. Okay. Elite players. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Al Harrington comes to mind. He's a uh, class of 98. Uh, he might as probably one of the top three, four players in that class with Rashard Lewis, Ron Curry. Everybody kind of knew he had a, a trainer. I sure. think that's the time where you start seeing guys like, well, who's that guy with them? You know, that he guy trains them. And now it's just like, I'm more shocked if a high-end guy doesn't have a trainer. No, for sure. 100%. You know, the other way around. I, again, could be somebody well-known, could be somebody um, uh, not as well-known. I'm really shocked if any high school kid nowadays doesn't have a trainer. Like if they're, they're quote-unquote serious about the game. Yeah. That's how um, far the industry has kind of come. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, the one that kind of uh, makes makes me go, oh, yeah, I see how that works. Is also how much influence they have. Guys are all oh, yeah. moving across the country to work with certain trainers. Um, I'm thinking of Isaiah Todd, okay. who plays for the Knight Riders. He's a well-known player. You saw him at Pangos yep. Camp. Um, he works with the well-known like guy who works out with the NBA guys, and he's worked with Markel Fultz. And then he didn't work with Markel Fultz. Yeah, he's yeah, trying yeah. to rehab him. You know his yeah. name. I just, his yeah. name kind of avoids me right now. Um but he he's well known on social media, on both ends. He's well known as a well known trainer, and he's well known for guys trying to critique him. Okay, you know. Um, but yeah, that's the one thing I I noticed is I was like, oh, Isaiah Todd works with him. So, uh, you know, that's just again that could be a great thing for him. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But it's just it's prominent. You know that I know a bunch about that as I much know much about like. Uh, some of other Isaiah, of Isaiah Todd's game. Well, it's, you know it's I mean? funny because, like, we have... It's Drew Hanlon. We, yeah, yeah. We, yeah we, everyone knows yeah. Drew Hanlon and, and guys yeah. like that and yeah. uh, Jordan Lawley and yeah. guys of that um, kind of Sat stature. You know sure. what I mean? Because of they, they, they market themselves well. They use social media well. 
um, and they've developed a reputation among they have high end trainers, NBA players, and yeah. uh, you know they have high high end clientele and things like that. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, you know, growing up in Huntington Beach, uh, in a, in an area where it was you know relatively people had had a little bit of money, right? Yeah. Um, at least some expendable. At money. least some people had yeah. money. Some yeah. some some things to you know buy cars or, or whatever, whatever you want. Never once in my household did a basketball trainer come up. And, like, my dad grew up playing basketball. He played in a couple CIF Southern Section semifinal games against Inglewood, against Reggie Theus. Yeah. So he had deep roots in the game, but not once, never once did he say, hey, Dev, I got a shooting coach for you. No, yeah. it's like, hey, dude, go to the park and get some shots up. Yeah. That was it. Well, it's very interesting. My background was Cal High Sports. We'd worked with uh, at the Performance Training Institute at the Anaheim Hilton, you know, and we even wrote stories about it. I still refer to them. They're very good stories in, in the Cal High newsletter and student sports magazine, like Des Flood shooting tips, Chip okay. Engelin from... Chip Engelin, yep. Yeah, he's well-known And he's shooter. still well-known. Yeah, I mean, these guys are old. Yeah. Des Flood is well-known, you know, for Southern California high school players. Again, he's a shooting coach about form, not necessarily training the player... All year round. It yeah. was like, if you had something you want to work on your shot, you go to this guy. Okay. And that's funny that you mentioned that, because I would still refer to some of that stuff. It's just basics, basic fundamentals, you know, where you place your thumb, where you place your index finger, that that type of thing. And, and now it, what we're seeing is there's a yeah. lot of different techniques, a lot of elevated things that are yeah. like are, are used to create space, to yeah. uh, whatever, it's explosiveness, uh, dexterity, sure. things like that. And um, we have our first guest on the line. It's Lamont Peterson. He's a current scout for the Golden State Warriors. He's trained a lot of um, high school, high-end players back in the day. And he played football at Temple. Um, so he has multi-sport um, kind of ability here. Uh, Lamont, thanks for joining us, my friend. Thanks for having me, guys. No, for sure. And kind of the first question is, when you were training those guys like uh, Tyreek Evans, Mustafa Shakur, Wayne Ellington, Gerald Henderson, some of the guys that you trained before, what was your main focus um, with those guys when, when you were training them? Um, b- before I get into that, sure. I want to I give a shout-out to Michael Jordan, <laughs> who single-handedly created this industry. Okay. When he made his comeback after he took his year off from playing baseball. Um, so shout-out to Michael Jordan. Yeah. Uh, Training really wasn't a big thing, especially in the offseason with the pros. Um, but, you know, once he got into it and understood the need for it as he got older, uh, using Tim Grover, the great yeah. Tim Grover, yep. uh, that propelled this industry to what it is today. Okay. Okay. So with that being said, so what was your kind of uh, philosophy with training uh, young guards? Okay. Well, initially my background, and, and again, training in basketball takes on two meanings. Sure. One is on-court skill development. The other is strength and conditioning, mm-hmm. speed and agility. When I first started my what I with my football background, what I only did was strength and conditioning. And basically, guys came to me. They wanted to get bigger. They wanted to get faster. They wanted to get stronger. I figured out that using the strength and conditioning type of trainer – Guys only use you off season, uh, but before the season and after the season. And I wanted to create a need for myself, so I realized I had to get into skill development. And then I started doing that, and that's when I had more use, or I was more useful to a player. Gotcha. And what were kind of the 
the the main skills you focused on with a guy like Tyreek Evans, with guys like Mustafa Shakur. Uh, with, with, with those guys, it was definitely flexibility. You, you know what's so crazy? Basketball players are the most athletic, are the most skilled players in any sport. But they're also the worst in terms of flexibility. Interesting. Uh, you know, uh, Mustafa would bend over Tyreek and their arms go like right to their knees. Mm-hmm. You know, like can't touch their toes. So they're limiting their low back flexibility. Their hamstrings are tight. So for me, it was attacking those problem areas. Um, the more flexible you are, the more you're able to get into your move. Um, the more you're able to resist contact. So for me, it was just training them and educating them on, you know, guys, just just do this. I know you're not used to doing this, but if you do this, it'll just it'll help you extend your career. That makes sense, Lamont. Um, as you mentioned, you know, as as I know got to know you over the years, we we talk about player personnel. We talk about high school players. We do talk about their bodies, you know, how strong they are, how weak they are, things of that nature. Um, you know, when you when you were working with those guys, which is now, you know, 17 years ago or whatnot, did they even understand what you were trying to implement was it like what do i need a trainer for or did they already have an understanding that hey i'm trying to get to the nba i need to get stronger what 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 did you what was your initial take with mustafa basically did he go lamont i don't even understand what we're doing or did he get it and want it right away yes but mustafa to this day he was my first and to this day was the best if, if we went five days a week and I wanted him to take the weekend off, we had to go seven days. Never wanted to rest. Always wanted to get better. Always wanted to be pushed. Um, self-motivated, you know, knew what he wanted to do, had his goals laid out, uh, bought into everything, absorbed everything. Gotcha. And, and that's rare. Yeah. Most guys are resistant. Mm-hmm. You'll get the guys uh, without naming names. You'll get guys that you tell them, okay, uh, practice is over. Okay, we're about to work out. Okay, uh, I got to go to the bathroom real quick. Mm-hmm. And they walk out the door and they're gone. Mm-hmm. You know, so you'll you, every even to today, you know, guys don't always buy in. They think their skill is good enough to get them where they've got to go. Gotcha. Yeah, I've, I've seen that attitude. We've me and Devin have both seen that attitude many, many a times. Uh, uncomfortable so here you have and you know what you know you when you talk about high-end guys guys that are ranked top 20 top 30 for the most part they're prima donnas and for the most part their skill on the court has enabled them to not have to take tests in school uh not have to do uh chores at home uh just name it free sneakers just Mm -hmm. just all that's given to them and created that sense of entitlement, they don't want to work. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of guys just don't want to work because I'm good. Like, why do, Why am I doing a, a, a reverse whatever when I don't do that on a court? Right, like a reverse pivot or a jump stop, something super basic. And, and, and super basic. And how am I going to use that on a court? Or I don't do that when I play. Mm-hmm. And I scored 25 last night. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of the biggest difference you've seen? over the years um, as trainings evolved is 
you know, kind of a more intricate, more uh, elaborate, you know, training processes rather than the basic fundamentals? You know what? It's grown, and you know what? It, it, it's a great thing. It's a beautiful thing, mm-hmm. and it had to grow. As humans, we're expanding our mind, our reach, our thought. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, Lamont, um, as you're evaluating a player, again, in the pre-draft process, just from your experience and, and, and your experience only, does do most of them or all of them have independent trainers when they come out of college or – do they not? You know, um, our guess is, you know, that they mostly do, but you may have a, a different take being on that side. Typically what happens, I'd say most guys don't. Uh, if, uh, if, if you're one and done, um, have you really had a trainer? I mean, like John Moran had his dad, mm-hmm. you know, so you might have a situation like that where it's just where if, if uh, your AU coach might be your trainer. Sure. If you're one and done guy. Somebody so on the staff, yeah. You, you, you don't really think about it that way. What happens is once you sign with an agent, the agent is responsible for setting everything up for you. Right. So if you sign with Jeff Swartz in Excel, you're going to work out in Long Island. Mm-hmm. If, uh, if Andy Miller is no longer an agent, but if you sign with Andy as of two years ago, you work out with Joe DeBunasar in Vegas. Right. And then other agents might use Joe too. Or it, uh, if you're going with so-and-so, you're training in L.A. So-and-so, you're training in Phoenix. So then those, you're you're under your agent's guide, and you're expecting them to lead the process for you. Gotcha. That makes sense. What are your kind of overall thoughts on the unconventional training process as we see these days? I know Twitter and Instagram are very uh, popular now, and trainers you know, use that to market themselves and gain clientele um, because it's a, it's a job. Um, but a lot of people will go on Twitter or Instagram and rip these guys um, for their weird or unorthodox processes. What are your overall thoughts on that? I love it. Cool. I love it. And think about this. Remember, millennials in this social media age have short attention spans. So you got to dress up the elbow jumper. You got to dress up the, the pick and roll using chairs. That's interesting. Point. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. And Lamont, why do you think, again, I'm going by my experience with you. I always look at you as kind of a guy who likes to be under the radar, doesn't want your opinion blasted out there on every single topic we talk about. You know, I respect that. And I'm sure you do the same for me. You don't you don't say, hey, Ronnie said so and so and so and so. And it it helps to keep, you know, our credibility and, and, and being honest with each other. So why are you why do you why are you all for it in terms of getting that stuff out there is it just because uh it's always evolving or is it a specific reason why you know you think that's positive it's it's always evolving ronnie when (laughs) i first started with those guys uh mustafa tyreek uh wayne ellington gerald henderson kyle lowry with those guys there, there wasn't instagram there, there wasn't Facebook. There wasn't Twitter. I wish it was. I'd be <laughs> yeah. yo. I'd be all up in it. I'd be, I'd be Levar Ball times ten. Oh. And the reason is, as an independent person, I'm from Philly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Who, no one knows me. Right. So the only way to build my brand and to build what I'm doing is to promote yourself while you're working these guys out. And hopefully, if someone sees me with Tyreek or Gerald or Wayne or Mustafa then they'll want to work out with me. And 
Maybe I can get paid off of this because mm-hmm. those guys aren't paying me. Right. So, you know, it's, it's a hope and a dream, you know, and, and if, if you could springboard that into a career, man, and there's a lot of guys that are making a living off of training players. What a life. Yeah, for sure. What, uh, with all that said, what do you think is kind of the, the biggest thing that's lacking from the training industry for youth and high school players at this point in time? I, you know what? I don't think there's anything lacking. Okay. There, there needs, there, there needs to be an education process. There needs to be a merging of the minds uh, in terms of how much kids are playing. Mm-hmm. Kids need to train way more than they need to play. They need to train in scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. The, uh, uh, you know the, the 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 weekend AU tournaments where you're playing six games or seven games to get to the championship from Friday night through Sunday afternoon should be abolished. Should be there's no way you should be putting that much pounding on your body. Think about this at the pro level. What have they just instituted uh, last year? Well, you're getting the breaks. You know, 82 game season. You know, uh, they're getting breaks between games. They're limiting the back to backs. Yeah. You know, so they're doing it at the pro level, but you want little kids to play twelve games in in four days. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense from that point of view, Lamont, because people don't think about the development part, the resting, the recovery. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, that's that's more. I mean, can you really overtrain? Well, I mean, if you're abusing specific body parts or joints, yeah. But I mean, I don't think dribbling is going to hurt you or. Right. Or, or, you know, dribbling through cones or shooting drills. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that's do that all day long. But actual playing, that needs to be curtailed. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. Lamont, let's make it clear so people, listeners know what you're talking about. When you say training, you're meaning working on uh, the core, working on your upper body a different day. You Are you speaking of training to to um, off away from skill development to get your body stronger? Or are you speaking of also skill development? In terms I was, of, I was I was speaking in relationship to skill development. Yeah, got it. You can do that every day. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in in terms of strength conditioning, yeah. you've got to monitor how you're doing that. You can't squat every day. Right. Sure. You know. Right. Yeah, we want to make sure that that's clear to people what we're trying to say and what and, you, and what your point is because I'm with you. When I see high school basketball players again, because I played high school football, I'm like, most of these guys are weak. Yeah. They would be so much better if they were just stronger. And, yes. and and not 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 looking from their definition of their arms or oh look that guy looks but you know he ripped looks ripped. I'm just saying dr- stronger all the way around. Right, and yeah. we're talking age appropriate too. Yeah, like yeah. come on, like you know if you're you're five eight and 140 pounds, it, it is what it is. Well, but but again, you can always use strength and conditioning. Like everyone can use that. But that's not done. It, it's done mm-hmm. in football, Ronnie, as you yeah. know. That's sure. from Pop Warner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you know, you're training and you're trying to get kids not to lift weight at 12 years old. Yeah. But that's just the, the culture of football. Basketball, like I said before, MJ, yeah. <laughs> he might have done it. And if you, I mean, it's hard to believe you look at some guys now coming out of college, you know, prepping for the pros, you're like, there's no way you've ever been in a weight room. And yeah. they're at like, a top tiered uh, Pac-12, um, yeah, <laughs> ACC, school. yeah, something like that. Yeah. And you're like, they don't. There's no way you lift. Yeah, right. he doesn't lift. You yeah, know. I don't understand that either. Once a kid gets 17, 18, I'm like, how's this guy not stronger? 
You know, what yeah. is what are people telling him? You have string bean arms. You can't even move in the post. You get knocked off the ball. Str- yeah, weak bases. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of the things I see is lower body is kind of weak. Yeah, right. you know. And, 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 and that's not even weight-resistant oriented. A lot of that is flexibility, uh, band work. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of that you can get a, a, away from lifting weights. You know, you develop your core, your low, lower back. You can become stronger. And I like that philosophy to be, you know, just a part of the culture, to become the norm. That makes sense, Lamont. Let's, let's, let's develop guys all the way around. Yeah, that makes sense. And kind of with that being said, what would your advice be for a youth or high school player who's considering getting a skill development trainer and or a trainer for strength and, and conditioning? What's your advice? I do it. Absolutely. You, you, you know what? As older people, we all look back and we have regret. Regret is the worst thing. And, Ronnie, you might see someone and say, man, I wish I had that. I wish my dad would have hired a trainer for me. I wish, I, you know, like, sure. if, you know, like, I, I, absolutely, all in 100%. Like, if you can get someone who's knowledgeable, who's certified to help you, absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Why would you not do that? For sure. We appreciate the time, Lamont. Uh, best of luck uh, for the Golden State Warriors this year and yourself on the on the scouting trail. Go Dubs. Thanks, Lamont. Appreciate it, buddy. So that's a guy who not only has old school experience as not a skill developer and a strength and conditioning guy, but a guy who also understands the importance and the uh, practicality of this new school training where you see cones, you see chairs, you see yeah. unorthodox you know, things, whether it's, uh, like, I think the biggest um, or the most recent thing we can point to when it comes to unorthodox training is Carl Anthony Towns' recent workout that was posted on Twitter and was met with, you know, just a lot of backlash backlash and people making fun of him or whatever. You know, he's dribbling through cones and catching a ball, a smaller ball while dribbling and then going and finishing at the rim. Like, I don't know how that helps Carl Anthony Towns, Mm -hmm. but maybe the trainer who – is doing it has the you know some philosophy some philosophy for that i personally think as you mentioned you know we spoke to lamont and i spoke to him before and he goes hey you know steph curry does a few things that's right he did say that yeah you know um with with balls with smaller balls with either it's tennis balls i think he said something with lights when he was shooting as well sure correct so he does some unconventional things this is one of the best shooters ever (laughs) and one of the best players in the nba right now so what i think Devin is if Steph Curry does it, then there's no way that Carl Anthony Towns doesn't think it's good or another or player. Any of these players. Yeah. yeah I mean, you see most of these guys doing this stuff. Yeah, because you think if this guy plays in, um, you know, the NBA and he's one of the best players in the world, then it's got to work for me. So I understand that. And I even understand Lamont's point about, hey, when I started in 2003, you know, I was working out with kids. And Lamont is, a, most people don't know who he is. In terms of what he looks like, and he's he wants it stocky. that way. And he yeah. wants it that way. He's stocky and he's ripped, so you could tell he either like was an undersized power guard or like played football. Sure. It's like pretty obvious. And he plays football. You, when you see him, you know you're like, and he's right. You know, it's it's the kids are not working out. Just and I get it from just like I mentioned would be doing push ups, sit ups, chin ups. I mean the basics. Real basics. The basics. They're not like, doing things you it. can go like do in your living room. Or, or just your a playground, yeah. or just at a for free. You don't need an elaborate, elaborate training, and we do see that. You know, um, I do agree with him in some extent to 
playing, you know, three games in one day and seven games to win a championship. You know, I I, I agree with that. Um, again, people need – but also when you have a tournament with 400 teams, it's, it's hard to say, okay, guys, we're going to stop it. We're going to work <laughs> out. So there's right, yeah, that's tough. That's where that's where we can kind of move into. That's where camps come into play, Ronnie. Yeah, it's. I feel like the camp system, the camp setting, yeah. has turned into a very uh, minimal focus on skill development and more focused on game situ- game camp games, which are yeah. for the most part sloppy. Yeah, not uh, uh, you know, like you don't stop the camp games when someone does something stupid. Yeah, right. Or takes a bad shot, or travel like, and I would be for that. Yeah, and that's what that's what you know. My camp is this weekend on Saturday, and that's kind of what I've tried to implement. We have an hour and forty-five to two hours of like legitimate hard skill development with various trainers who focus on different things, and then we have camp games where it's not five in five out. If someone does something extremely dumb, my coaches who coach those teams have the ability to take those kids out of the game. Right, and kind of coach them and put them back in the game. But a lot of the camps that we see nowadays are, it's five in, five out, and the coach is there just to sub. Yeah, well, I went to um, USA Basketball, and again, it's not to critique anybody in particular, but you you, uh, got to remember the age of the player, and also you can't replicate, in my opinion, in one day or a couple hours what somebody's been teaching them for 362 days. Sure. You know, so <laughs> it's funny, you know, USA Basketball is putting in some sets. Obviously, it's a good thing for the most part. They're going over it. They're taking a lot, long time. They're, they're going through it. And, and um, you know, of course, some of the parents are getting a little restless and maybe some of the scouts. We want to see them play, obviously, for various reasons. So after they're putting in implementing this, uh, these things and teaching them, Devin, what do you think happens in the first five minutes when they start screaming? They don't do anything that yeah, they learned. Yeah, correct. We're, going, <laughs> we're back to turnover. Set. We're back yeah. to just a, another open gym scrimmage, sure. like you say. And it's funny. We're laughing. I'm going, geez, you know. And obviously, they'll get it. And especially the 12 players that eventually make a team, whether it's 16 and under or 19 and under, they'll, they'll get it. You know, but I kind of want to see who can pick it up fast. Yeah. I don't want the coach to go over it 10 times. I want them to go over it a couple. Let's run it and see who can That's get it. That's when you can see true basketball IQ. Yeah, who Which can I get think it? is, in my opinion, is the most important thing in the game. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you're 6'11 and yeah. your arms are down to your ankles and, you know, you're super athletic and mobile, that's very important. Yeah, people will see that. But again, if you can't yeah. apply yeah. basic basketball concepts to your natural uh, abilities and natural size, then what good are you? Yep, I right? agree with you there. No, right? Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things where, it you know, it's very interesting what Lamont said, and and me knowing Lamont personally, I would think he said no, 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 Ronnie, I don't want to be on Instagram, <laughs> right? But he's in a different mode that, now. That's what I think he's is interesting. A, yeah, he's in a different shot. But he goes, no, I would do the same thing too. So I can't knock people for that. The one bit I did see, I was, it was the other night. It was after the Balls Life Junior All American Camp. Somebody mentioned. Uh, this video and and it was kind of funny and he was go goes you put your right hand in yeah, you yeah. put your right hand out making a joke that like was like a, a dribbling video and a guy yeah. was like touching a box yeah touching the jump box yeah. you know like the step box or whatever or you slapping want it or doing yeah. yeah and it just looked a little odd but the only thing that uh, our our buddy AJ Gaspora who who played college ball and he played with James Harden 
in high school, he kind of mentioned, the only thing I don't like is the negative step. The guy was like going back, putting his back foot back before he goes forward. And me, that's like a big pet peeve of mine. I just think you're... Where are you going? You were, you got to go forward, yeah. so why are you going back? So for a workout that I see, if I see that, I just think the trainer doesn't know what he's doing. Okay. Now then, he might have some good concepts, but I saw that and I was with AJ. I'm like, dude, this is so bad. And so I was like, part, I was like, man, this kid, I feel bad for this kid. And then somebody pointed out, like, dude, that's not a kid. He's an NBA player. <laughs> I was like, good Lord, where are we with this? So that's why we're bringing out this topic. We wanted to touch on this topic uh, a bit, you know, about training, skill development, and everybody has their different philosophies. So you can be older guy and say, you know what, these young guys do need these, you know, to put their, put it on Instagram, share thoughts, share ideas. And then... You have some older guys who are just really old school who don't want to do that. You yeah. know, they just, hey, this is supposed to be taught without cones, nothing, no chairs, uh, no obstacles. So you know, everybody's a little different. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's very, very, uh, I mean, very, it, it's a very unregulated industry. There's no s- industry standards. In no, 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 no. You no. just, it's based it, on, you know, your Again, pers- your, your feel, your experience. Yeah, but there's and there's an aspect to it of, um, you know, kids. I mean, nowadays kids want the Instagram videos. They want to be tagged in them. Sure. They want to have the recognition. They want to be seen as and, training and I, with this guy or and training I think with this that's guy. That's what Lamont was referring to. You can't. Kids have shorter attention spans. They they yearn for, uh, you know, they yearn for. For recognition, whether social attention. recognition. I mean, attention. it's attention straight up. Yeah. So. He gets that point of view, and again, he's dealing with, you know, the the Golden State Warriors are obviously drafting low, for the for the, since the times he's been there, and and he's not dealing with the high end Zion Williamson's and right. R.J. Barrett's for of the world. Yeah, the Golden State Warriors are getting guys who want to make the team. Right. Yeah, because and they're they're lower lower round draft picks. They're lower round draft picks, so uh, that's what he's dealing with, and and. Uh, they want different things. That's his perspective. Yeah. yeah. And now we have our, our second guest on, uh, Mark Rogers, a graduate assistant coach at uh, Long Beach State, played at Eastern Washington and L.A. Cathedral. Rogers, Mark Rogers, thanks for joining us, my friend. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Not a problem. So today's topic, as we discussed earlier, is kind of uh, about old school versus new school training, kind of IG trainers and that whole industry. Um Based on my, you know, interactions with you through our, our McDavid open runs and things like that, you're kind of a more under the radar guy. You use Instagram um, to, to showcase things, but as far as cone drills go and things like that, you're kind of a more old school guy in your approach. Am I right? Yeah, I'm kind of right now playing the in between role of both eras. I think I think I'm trying to find the perfect middle ground between both because you need a little bit of both. So I think you could put me right there in the mix of both. Okay, what what's your philosophies? Basic philosophies when, when training a guy. I know you deal with, uh, with a lot of high school guys. You, you trained uh, Max Agbong Polo now, uh, former Santa Margarita forward and uh, USC uh, forward now. What are your basic philosophies when it comes to, to skill development? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I always start off with is that if I'm building a player right now, I think the number one thing I start off with is that we got to get in shape. I okay. think that's the first thing. And I think um, kind of when I took on Max for a little bit, that was kind of like my number one thing with him for the first week. We're going to run. You know what I'm saying? We're going to run. I'm, you're going to learn to work first. Like, once I can teach you how to work hard and teach you how to push past that breaking point, you know what I'm saying, of, yeah, I'm tired, but I can keep going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once I, once I can get you to that point, then we can build from there because I can't work 
it's like working with a car with no gas. I can't teach a car to drive fast that has no gas in it. You know what I'm saying? So I got to build you from there, first of all. So then my second philosophy is it's more on attention to details. You know what I'm saying? We There's going to be certain days where we might not sweat that much, where we might be walking through just working on little steps, working on little focuses that on things that really matter that a lot of people don't pay a lot of attention to and give much time to. So that would be my second thing. And then my third thing is more as far as discipline goes, as far as sticking to a regimen. You know, I give my guys kind of like, even if I only see you three days a week, I'll give you a, like a task to do every day. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's handling a ball every day, sitting in your bed, kind of getting your form shots to keep your rotation on your ball good. You know what I'm saying? Stay disciplined. But those three things are really my main three points. Um, Mark, talk a little bit about uh, what you think if, if you work with a younger high school kid what is a younger high school kid, uh, what's the first thing you notice that they lack? And then what's the first thing you notice that an incoming college player lacks? Yeah, I think nowadays, I think what, 2019 now, right? I think guys nowadays, I think we're dealing with kids that are much less tough nowadays. When I say tough, I don't mean like... Uh, Trying to fight people. No, like fighting another kid. I'm more talking tough as more as they can't really handle adversity that well, you know? One minute a kid plays 31 minutes and everything's going good. He's a freshman, you know what I'm saying? Everything goes good. And then the next minute your coach plays you eight, nine minutes, the kids are already kind of asking for their release the first day out, you know what I'm saying? And then, or like even with a high school kid, you know, a high school kid will kind of see a kid that's the same class as him, that's a freshman just like him or a sophomore just like him that plays the same position. He gets brought to varsity, he gets hit in JV, and kids are already looking for the next move, you know what I'm saying? I don't think they're really understanding that. There's always going to be somebody trying to take your job, whether you're in the NBA or not. I mean, you watch a situation like Cleveland Cavaliers. Colin Sexton was just top five, top ten pick, whatever he was drafted. This year they go and get Darius Garland and Kevin Porter the next year. Now, he, what is he going to do, sit and cry about it? No, he just has to understand the business of it and dig his way out the hole. And I think a lot of kids and parents are kind of missing that part of the toughness aspect and competition relation goes. I think that kind of pulls into what we, Ronnie and I were talking about right before we brought you on, which was – you know, a lot of the kids want the recognition or the acknowledgement or the accolades of, you know, being on, you know, a trainer's Instagram and showing what they're doing and mixtapes and highlights. Do you think that, that kind of plays into to that factor? And how do you, how important is it as a trainer to really kind of market yourself on Instagram? Right. Well, see, for me, it was one of those things where I was training for about a year straight, and I didn't post a single thing. You wouldn't have even known that I was even in a gym for a year <laughs> straight, and I didn't post anything. You know, I didn't. You, I was pretty much off the grid. But then I'm kind of watching it, and I'm more on the aspect of is, is social media is what you make it. You know, some people let social media control them. Some people will let social media fool everyone else and just have them thinking that there's somebody or not. In my case, it's more. Whether we want to say it or not, social media is how a lot of people judge us. You sure. know what I'm saying? How they, how, they, how they read your tweets, how they see your page, they can kind of judge who you are based on that. You know, whether you know, you're talking reckless on Twitter, however you go about it, that's what people judge it by. So for me, in my case, because I'm kind of working my way up in coaching and kind of working my way up in college, one of the benefits I do have outside of, like, being able to help with recruiting and stuff with connections is my player development side. And that's a big thing kind of now. You're seeing a lot of player development coaches – get a lot of good jobs now because coaches are starting to understand how much an individual matters to a team. Mm-hmm. And the better you can make the individuals, the better you can make the team. So in my mind, I'm just trying to show for myself personally how I can help a program, how I can help a team, how I can help a situation, how I can help your guys learn things that they might not be getting attention with, you. if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. in my case, I'm just showing off 
what I know and how I can help a situation. Some trainers are showing off because they are trying to get more kids, you know, like I train Max every day or whatever the case, how, whatever guys I work with or the case, if he posts it and maybe a six-year-old kid will see it and something like that and he'll DM or request and ask for more sessions, you know, some guys are trying to get their money. Personally, for me, that's not my biggest goal. My biggest goal is more showcase myself for the coaching side. I can't really speak for the trainers is too much, you know what I'm saying? But yep. as far as with kids looking forward to highlights and mixtapes and things like that, like I tell, like I tell some of my guys every day, we work five, six days a week. There might be a cameraman out once every two or three weeks. Okay. He might come out once every two or three weeks. You know what I'm saying? So there are times where I, I've been kind of even finding myself, I'm like, man, I'm kind of posting a lot of videos lately, but it's like cameramans came once in the whole month of June. You know right. what I'm saying? So it just it's just one of those things where I'm not really looking for them to be in the gym every day because kids will sometimes fall into habit. I don't want guys coming to me because they think they're going to get an Instagram tape or they're going to get some videos and they can post it. That's not what you're coming here to me for. And the second I sense that, we'll put the cameras down and I'll just, we can just run. And then we'll see how much fun it is recording somebody run all day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, I'm a little bit different. I'm kind of like, uh, you know me, Danny. Yeah. I'm kind of a little hard-ass when it comes to that type of stuff. I'm not really with the game. So, that's me personally. I mean, there's a lot of gimmick trainers out here. There's no secret to it. There's a lot of guys selling false dreams and things like that. But, own, I'm not here to bash anybody. But, in my book, I'm just trying to show everybody. I want everybody to get better, and if it comes to, if that brings motivation to get people in the gym, then so be it. And, and that makes sense. It's kind of like a balancing act that you have to do and have to strike, and you're doing your best in, in, in doing that. But what prompted this conversation was a couple of videos that, that showed up on uh, Instagram over the weekend. I mean, uh, Twitter, actually, over the weekend. Carl Anthony Towns was working out with somebody. He was, you know, he was he was dribbling through cones and catching a ball while ball handling and then going and, you know, finishing at the rim. Um, what are your overall thoughts on kind of the the gimmick training or the, the unconventional unconventional training, I guess is a fair way to put it. Man, I mean, it's it's so tricky because yeah. everything is different for every single person. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? I I have a guy right now, I'm gonna say his name because he's college, but I don't know what rules things are, but I have a yeah. guy I have a guy who I train every day who's in college right now who was probably top five ball handlers in college basketball last year. Probably top five college basketball. He never works out without a tennis ball, two balls. He does more dribble combinations than I would ever request any guy I know. Mm -hmm. But it helps him keep his ball handling confidence. His dad had him doing that when he was a kid, so now that he's older, he doesn't want to break away from that. And it works for him. So when I'm in the gym with him, I change my pattern. When I'm with another guy, I'm probably 90% of the other guys, I'm not doing all that stuff. But to each his own and it's different. Carl Towns' situation, I don't know how Carl Towns trained. I don't know his background. I don't know anything. So when I see people kind of harassing his trainer about it, in a normal situation, yeah, it's goofy. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it, it, it's goofy. It's, it's really stupid in a normal situation. But he's obviously not a normal player because right. he's Carl Anthony Towns. So nobody knows what they're working on now. There are certain things that I can look at when I'm like, okay, this trainer isn't doing this right. Like, if I see you, I think I saw somebody comment on somebody taking a negative step yesterday. And for those who know, it's like taking a step back and taking a step forward. There's not that much time in basketball to do all that. So you're really wasting time and wasting energy. That's bad training. That is something that I can pick off. Anybody can read that and see. But when it comes to, like, dribbling with two balls, having a tennis ball out, some guy was kind of grabbing a foam roller and things the other day. (laughs) I don't, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. Brandon Ingram is the guy who his training is the most 
outlandish thing I've ever seen. Like, I see him grab home rollers, medicine balls, all type of stuff. But he averaged 17 points in the NBA. So whether people want to say his trainer is doing something wrong or not, they got a number two draft pick averaging 18 points a game, which isn't easy. Yeah, that makes you know sense. So, so what other people want to say, whether you, everybody has their opinion, but everybody's different. So that's how I kind of look at it. Okay. And that makes sense, Mark. Obviously, talent is a, a big factor in all this. Um, talent is an authority. Many uh, many cases, I know of many players who were so talented at a young age, it kind of hurt them because nobody had the balls or whatnot to train them, in essence. Right. Because they were right. so good in high school. You know, it's like, wow, this it was it was just one of those things. Yeah, it's like, what do they need? What do they yeah. need? Right. So, right. And Mike, I, I think I put out a tweet a couple weeks ago where now I'm – now that we're getting older, I'm starting to feel good for so, you know, guys that were kind of man, man. I guess you would call them a man child when we were kids. You know, guys who were six four in the seventh, fifth, sixth, fifth grade, and their coach was just winning AAU games and had them playing center for five, <laughs> six, seven years. Bull, really bullying the shit out of kids. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like now that they're older, you know what I'm saying? They now they're still six four. Now it's time for them to play some guard, and they've been rebounding other guards bad shots their whole life, and now they're stuck playing the four or the five at six four. And it's not translating. Mm-hmm. It's not so working. That, yeah. that, that is where when people talk about the issues in AAU, that's where I think some of the issues people want to downplay when they talk about all oh, the shoe deals and things like that. A guy who is bad with the shoe deal or whatever the AAU coach that they're mad about is just as wrong as a sixth-grade coach who has a six-foot kid fooled into thinking he's going to be the next Shaq when he's probably his mom's 5'11 and his dad's big too. You know good and well that kid's going to have to play guard one day. You're just trying to win these little meets the AU games to get across. And that's where I think I find my issues more with anything else nowadays. Yeah. Um, Mark, uh, you mentioned the negative steps. I was kind of commenting that on Twitter. What are the three, four things that you think are universal that all kids need to get better at or avoid doing when they're working out? For me, the negative step is one. What are, are three or four things that you see that you know is either bad training or that kids should w- do? Footwork. I think footwork is a big thing. It sounds something as simple as like jump stopping. I think a lot of trainers kind of just let their guys make a bunch of moves and they don't really explain the once you go by this guy with this move, there is going to be a seven-footer at the rim waiting on you. There is going to be a guard digging, waiting for you. You're not going to be able to finish everything. Like you said, Dev, I kind of work with Max now. Max is 6'9", 6'10". It's not even realistic for me to think that every time he goes by somebody, he's just going to have a clear shot at the rim. Right. It's not realistic. So we have to work on jump stopping. you got to work on reverse pivoting, things like that, because that's the name of the game of basketball. You think of any of the top five best players. Any, if any of us gave our top five greatest players of all time, four out of the five probably have phenomenal footwork. Yeah. So that's number one is the footwork. You know what I'm saying? So number one, one, one thing is footwork. I think another thing is, I think everybody should have stable ball handling. I don't care if you play the 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. I think stable ball handling, whether you're dribbling out the post or anything, I think ball handling is a big thing. And I think the big thing that I've been kind of, I put more focus in the last two summers on, and I kind of away from it when I was playing a little bit just because the name of the game lately has been threes and layups. It's kind of getting guys back to the mid-range. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I've been abusing my guys this summer is on the mid-range. I think we've shot more mid-ranges than layups and threes this summer, and you know what I'm saying? No, it's not fun. Nobody wants to shoot that up. We'll pull up everybody rather just go to the rim and dunk the ball shoot three. But I think that shot is more open nine times out of ten than people think. And then you watch guys like Harden and stuff like that, and I'm like, man, that guy needs to take these mid-rangers. Or I'm watching Russell Westbrook play, and I'm like, he used to be the mid-range king. Mm-hmm. He's kind of stepping away from that mid-range shot. And then you watch guys like Kevin Durant and those guys and LeBron close, and they're getting money from the mid-range. 
you watch Kobe and Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan probably scored 40 points a game while mid range 100 times. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like I'm trying to get guys back to getting back to getting easy points. You know, all these big men want to be stretch bigs. But if you're seven foot and you can fire your hips and make a left hook from two feet away, why would you keep working on shooting threes? You can just keep making that left hook your money your whole life. So just kind of keeping the thing simple is more of my biggest thing. Coach Mark Rogers, one of the best skill developers out West, one of the best young skill developers out West. Any kids who want to get in the gym with him, you wouldn't be making a mistake. And he will be at the uh, Hoops by Ugland Skills Summit this weekend, uh, drilling the kids uh, uh, in my camp. Yes, I will be. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks, Dave. Yep. So, yeah, I think uh, Mark brings up I, – I like how Mark brings up the point where he's one of the guys in the game now who's trying to find that good middle ground – uh, between promoting himself and his training on on social media, but also sticking to his philosophies and his kind of uh, views on how social media should be used, and that's a tough balancing act. Yeah, because you're gonna have to use it, or else the most of your clientele is gonna go with somewhere else. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So you gotta use it. Then you gotta have some days or some sessions where you're just like he said, no cameras. It's no cameras. Being tough, working out, running when you don't want to, getting mm-hmm. in shape. Um, you know, it did, he did that. That brings to what he's saying and to what Lamont said. And let's go back to kind of intersect both of them. Sometimes people ask me, and I again, I didn't think about this when I was younger, because I was, you know, I like as you know, Devin like Showtime Lakers. I like old guys. Yeah, you know, there's yeah, nothing yeah. wrong with that. You know, I like Jerry West. I me, like yeah, Will. Same here. All those guys, no doubt. Um, but now that I'm getting older and I see more video, I see more games. I watch more high school games, middle school games. As just as time goes by. People go, well, who's the best player of all time? I'm like, Michael Jordan. Okay, that's obviously it's no no problem. Nobody's going to give you that much resistance. Then they go, who's the second best player of all time? I'm a Michael Jordan when he became a jump shooter and a mid-range shooter. I'm like, he went from me this athletic freak to what Lamont said, working with Tim Grover. Mm-hmm. I'm getting pounded by the Pistons. I'm 30 years old. This ain't working. I want to win a championship or multiple championships. I want to be – now I'm I'm – Six six, I have big hands, big shoulders. Now I got a nice body. Now I'm just turning around, jump shooting, fall away, jump shooting, and I'm still the best player in basketball. My game is just different. So I think you understand what yeah, I'm saying? No, the, for sure. Just, just the the strength. Jordan became such a different player from '96 to '98. Still as effective, maybe not a hair less explosive, still one of the most explosive players ever, but he became a jump shooter. Right. And he was still that good. And I think the thing that's missed when you know I mean? we're talking about, you know, a lot of people say mid-range is dead. It's all three-point yeah. shooting or at the rim. Yeah. But what people don't understand is mid-range and shooting ability extends your career. Correct. Because you're able to... Use your energy. In, that, in, in a minimal... Use your energy... Efficiently. Efficiently. You're not getting crushed at the rim right. by a seven foot, 250 pound trying guy. Trying to foul you. Yeah. Right. You're not dribbling, you know, 12 times and trying to hit a tough step back over some guy yeah. <coughs> closing out on you. Correct. Um, you're, you're maximizing and extending your career by being able to operate in that mid range, whether it's mid post, uh, one to two dribble pull ups, playing with your back to the basket, facing up, you know, ripping through and uh, getting by the first defender and pulling up with the, with the two dribble pull up. That extends your career and it makes Correct. you a more difficult cover at any level. Correct, because you, if 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 you've been attacking the rim with great strength and ferocity, like you said, like a Russell Westbrook, and like Jordan did. You know, Jordan was at times a little wild as a young player, trying to dunk over everything, take the baseline, trying yeah. to finish over three guys. He just became smarter and more efficient. Yeah, and it worked. And like his, 
His footwork was good. His steps were violent. When I say violent, means he exploded out of him. Yeah. And he can, and he had a good shot and good touch. So it's kind of funny that I, I, I never thought about that, um, you know, twenty years ago when I was watching it. You know, I was like, I see the, I saw a light, slight difference, you know, between the ninety to ninety three Jordan, and then he played the baseball, and then he came back. He was fifteen pounds heavier, stronger. So I, I think that's what both of those guys, uh, Lamont and Mark, were kind of mentioning in different ways, in different words about that, you know. The strength and conditioning is, is super important. I've played where um, I was playing basketball, and, I, and my senior year I played football, and then I was working out with a, at Santa Barbara. When I went to UC Santa Barbara, I was working out with a, a couple guys who played on the Santa Barbara City College football team. UCSB doesn't have a football team. Yeah. So I would be more uh, – my, I gravitated toward those guys. We like to talk about basketball. We like to talk about college football all the time. And I'd work out with them. And they weren't basketball players per se, but I felt so much better when I played basketball after three to six months of hanging out and working out with those guys. It was just by attrition. I yeah. didn't even think about it. I was so much better. Right. Everything was so much I felt I felt I rebounded better. I boxed out better. I was more confident. You're boxing out? Yeah. 5'8 <laughs> in, in the post boxing out? You, don't, see any, to, yeah. you don't even see big men boxing yeah, out. That's you, you look, they look at the rim. Yeah, they, they're they, just trying to out-jump people. They're, wa- they're shot watching and they're trying to out-jump people. No one's boxing out these and, days. And I remember I was maybe that's 20. It, they don't do it because it hurts. Yeah, it's it's not easy. I remember when I was <laughs> 23, 24, and, and they, a couple guys were telling me, Ronnie, we were playing a lot, a lot of pickup. Like, Ronnie, you're just playing better. You're you're boxing out. Okay. You're, you're, uh, you're you're around the rim is way better. You should just hang out on the outside, which I do most of the time because I was 5'8". So <laughs> hanging out on the outside, shooting an outside jump, looking I, for Yeah, that's what I do. I still do. Yeah, so it was, it was very interesting how that works. And I try to tell that to a lot of kids, uh, just even if I could talk to them at the Balls Life Junior All-American camp. Like, at some point, dude, you got to do push-ups and sit-ups. Yeah. How could you be a 6'5", 6'4", you know, good player, and you're 6'5", 160, and you can't do 10 push-ups. I know <laughs> you can't do 10 push-ups, and I mean square good push-ups. Sure, yeah, yeah. like your back straight, okay. your arms, you know, a little more than shoulder-width apart. We're not talking girl push-ups? I'm not talking about girl push-ups. Like, you can't do 10 or 15, pump them out. I know you can't, just yeah. by looking at you. Yeah. And they're like, oh, Ronnie, come on. You know, they, they want to be cool. Like, it's it's mostly funny, but I'm trying to do, you got to get stronger. Yep. It just helps your game out tremendously. All the way around. All the way around. And we have our third guest on the line, Clint Parks. Everyone knows Clint Parks. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. How you guys doing? It's We're... an honor to be on with two legends. Oh, Jesus. You're the you're the legend here. Uh, Clint has worked out, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard, obviously, um, uh, Kyle Kuzma. But a lot of Clint's stuff is kind of in the trenches even with any level player, any age, any skill level. Clint, you just finished your workout right now, and I want the honest truth what did you work on today? Um, playing off two feet, one dribble pull-ups, two dribble pull-ups, um, floaters. Um, of course, we always start with the mic and drill, some ball handling, um, full court, some stationary stuff as well. Yeah, so that's pretty much that. Those are the, those are the, those are on the menu every day if you're working with me. Okay, it's kind of we're kind of bringing in a, an intersection of. New school training and old school training. Uh, if you had to evaluate yourself on that scale, where would you kind of, uh, where would you place yourself? Old school? Old school. I teach the game um, the same way my dad taught me how to play. My dad's, uh, my dad's an old school guy, and those are the guys that he, um, that I always watched 
growing up kind of, uh, when I was a kid. Those are the tapes that he put on, and those are the players that he talked about. And so over time, I think uh, um, you look at, I always say the old school players, the Larry Birds, the Michael Jordans, those, those guys, um, some of the best in the world, they were the most fundamentally sound. That's, that's a great point. That's what we'll be talking about all day. I'm sure Ronnie has something to bring up on that right now. Yeah, uh, Clint, you know, um, what's the, the things that you think all young players from a training aspect need to work on, like you said, every day or whenever they're training? What's the three or four things that you make sure they work on in terms of uh, different concepts? Not necessarily like a mic and drill, but what do they have to work on, whether it's footwork, whether explosion first step, whether it's, uh, you know, getting under your, your, your shot when you shoot. You know, what What are the three or four things that you think is imperative that you see is lacking in a lot of kids? Um, it's really ball handling, shooting, and passing, you know. And obviously we work on defense as well because you got to go to guard. But um, at a young age, it's, it's um, some of my young kids, one thing that I – they're going to shoot threes in games, but yeah. my young kids, we don't shoot threes in workouts. Hmm. Why you is know, that? I got to keep going into seven – you you're not strong enough. Okay. Yeah, and so you're, you're, you're constantly compromising your shot, you know, and as you get older, as you get older, it's harder to change the shot. We've all seen players, you know, like um, uh, you get to be in a junior, senior year, high school, or even college, and by that time, it's just those habits are so ingrained in you, you know, like when you, you get to that level and then you're talking about breaking down, look at the NBA players, guys that are in the NBA that struggle to shoot. Look how hard it is. You, you think these guys are trying to change their shot. They're just so accustomed to shooting the ball a certain way that it's hard to break that habit. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like that's one of the things that I'm really focusing on with young kids now. It's like, I'm going to teach you how to shoot. Like, we need to start um, shooting with good form at an early age, you know, and stop worrying about how far you can shoot the ball from how far out. Because at the end of the day, like, as you get older, you know, if you if you're, if you're your shot is in a, in a bad place, like it's going to be harder to get it off. And then and then moving the three point line back in college, you know, this year we're going to see who can really shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Moving that thing back makes a big difference. And if your shot is inconsistent, your, your release point is inconsistent, your fault is inconsistent, you're not going to shoot the ball at a high percentage. And so for like, you guys always talk about like, obviously this might be going off a little bit, but like going, kids have aspirations of playing college professional you know especially in europe you know like if you can't shoot you can't play yeah yeah i think that's a good point because i feel like a lot of people were like oh yeah this kid is you know if he doesn't make the nba he'll just go overseas and play but like that 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 doesn't make sense (laughs) you know like we're talking about where you guys are you're from orange county dude yep like how many guys you understand like mike roll is making a killing overseas for a long time he has because he could shoot the ball like he's an efficient, high-level shooter. Yep, yep. He was one of the you best. Know? He was one of the best shooters I've ever seen live, ever. Someone who's knocked down. If he's open, you, you, you just nine times out of ten, you know it's going in. Yeah, you run the I, other way. You run the other way. Yeah, don't shoot him. You're like, oh, I hope he plays well. Right, right. You know, so we gotta we gotta reinforce being able to shoot. You know, like these guys. It's no different than the Lakers putting their team together. Like yeah. Every team LeBron's played on, it's surround him with shooters. So if you can't shoot, like, what good are you? Because he's going to have the ball in his hands. 
Yeah. Yeah. Ronnie, Ronnie and I on multiple Lakers uh, oriented podcasts, we've been like, what was that team last year? I mean, you bring in Rondo, you bring in Lance Stevenson, uh, Ingram needs, you know, multiple dribbles to be able to get a shot off. Lonzo couldn't shoot. Um, that, that team was just made up so poorly. Um, and, and what prompted this conversation today, Clint, was a couple of videos that we saw uh, on Twitter with Carl Anthony Towns' uh, workout video recently where he's like, he's catching a ball mid-dribble and then finishing at the rim or, you know, guys catching foam rollers in the paint and like having to like switch hands and, and then finish with their offhand. What is, what is your overall take on the Uncon- we'll be nice and call it unconventional training these days. What's your take? Um, not for me. Yeah, I, I, it's not my preference, but I'm a, I'm not the author- uh, uh, the uh, end all be all authority when it comes to training. But I will say this: as trainers, you take a lot of as a trainer, you, trainers are going to take a lot of flack regardless of how you're teaching the game or what you're teaching. I put more of the onus on the player and the parents okay. because at the end of the day, like what you see. A lot of that, what you see on the internet, like that's what that's what parents want. That's what parents want. That's what the kids want. Interesting. You know, so from a business standpoint, you know, like these people who are, who do this for a living, like myself, like you get caught up in, should I teach the game how I think it should be taught, or fundamentals first, or should I do what's going to make me money? That's an interesting cross section there that you have to deal with, and. Um, how do you, how do you approach that? Cause you don't post, you post some stuff on Instagram, but you don't go all out and post, you know, constantly post stuff or bring, um, you know, videographers or camera guys to every single one of your training sessions. How do you balance that? It's gotta be tough. I mean, I, I always, um, I always joke around with, I always, I always tell this to Reggie Morris. I'm like, man, there's sometimes where I want to join the circus <laughs> because the circus is so lucrative. Yeah. You know, but I, I know at the end of the day, at the core of me, like, I can't do that because my reputation and what I've done to build it and, you know, I mean, the credibility that I think I have mm-hmm. in, in the game, you know, means more to me than going out here and just tricking kids and parents, you know. And that's what, I mean, it's sad, but that's, at the end of the day, like, that's what we have a lot of. Like, obviously, I've worked with some talented players, but I could, I would be lying if I told a kid. You know, I can make you the next Kawhi or the next Kyle Kuzma. Like, you can't. You don't. Like, that's not. You can't do that as a trainer. Yeah. Like, we have, and that's what you have a lot of in skill development today. You have a lot of, um, you have a lot of parents being sold, kids being sold dreams, you know, and being, that are just not, not true. Yeah. Not realistic. Like, not realistic. You know, so that's what a lot of it is. Like, um, it's just people stuck in between making money or staying true to their core values. Yep. Uh, Clint, Ed, where do you see this all going in terms of this training industry? Is it just going to be, like you said, people, a money grab for certain people, or do you think that it's people are going to weed themselves out, people are going to wise up, and it's going to maybe just shrink, and, and people with the credibility are going to rise, or do you think it's just going to be muddy waters for a long time? Gonna become a bigger circus. <laughs> yeah, you know it's gonna I mean? become uh, Barnum and Brothers. Yeah, it's just gonna become a bigger circus. I'm sorry to break it to you, Ronnie. Yeah, like especially someone who's old school like yourself. Like, yeah. no, it's not changing because there's more and more money involved. Yeah. And so you're gonna have people in their eyes pushing. They're they're saying we're just pushing the envelope. Yeah, and that Which makes in sense. In reality, it's like 
it's like, and I, and I, people can get mad at me or say whatever, but I gotta tell people all the time, like, I know, and I tell kids all the time, when you, you, you start getting in front of somebody like a Avery Bradley or like a Kawhi or like a Patrick Beverly or even like a Paul George, some of your elite defenders, like, you're not getting any of that off in the game. Right. Like, none of it. Like, it's not working. Like, I promise you it's not working. Yeah. Like, I know for a fact Kawhi's not going for none of that bogus stuff. He's not. Like, he's not. Like, you're just going to be <laughs> dribbling in a circle, and you're not winning nobody, you're not helping nobody win no basketball games at a high level. You're not helping nobody win no championships. Are you getting followers? Are you getting views? Are you getting likes? All of that? Yes, you'll get all of that. And if that's what you want, if that's, what, if that, if that's a success to you, then yes, you're, you're succeeding at a high level. You're talking <laughs> about winning championships? You're talking about, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like, you're not, no. No. Yes. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense, and that's why we brought you on is kind of get that that adverse opinion on on you know the state evolution, the yeah, yeah, state of the industry, evolution of training. Yeah. Clint Parks, always a pleasure to talk to you, man. I will see you this weekend at my camp. Always a pleasure having you there. Yep, that sounds good. Appreciate it, guys. Yep, thanks. And that's you know what Clint close out on that is that makes sense. So that's kind of where we come in, Devin. We're trying to. If the waters are muddy, we're going to try to give do our best to give the best information possible at, yeah, I mean, at all times. I, I have Not people, just about training, about anything. I have people, parents of, of whether it's youth players or you know younger high school players who are looking to get better, they ask me, who should I? who is a good trainer? Who should I train with? Sure. Or they ask me about specific guys. Is this guy a good trainer? I get that question all the time. And I'm not going to reveal names or whatever, yeah, but it's not important. If, if there's a guy who I don't think teaches the game in a way that is going to be beneficial to that specific player or, and what that kid needs, I won't recommend that, that trainer. Yeah. And that's all you can do is do your best to give the best information you have possible. Obviously, you don't want to shit on people and, and, and say, oh, because, again, he may have a certain way or somebody taught him the game a certain way, and that's why he's learning and teaching other kids the game that way. Yeah. So there, there's many ways to teach, but I think uh, what they said – all three of them, there's a certain fundamentals that you got to have. You got to be able to handle the ball. Yep. If you can't get to where you want on the court, you're going to be limited at some point. Yep. Um, I'd like to go based on what Lamont said. You got to get stronger mm-hmm. in general. Upper body, lower body, less games, more working out. And that means maybe it means going working out with the football team. Maybe it means just going. Go play know, football. Yeah. Be a, be a bench warmer and work out. Yeah. Work out right? with the team. Why not? Yeah. Where are the Where are the pads? Whatever. Yeah. Get tougher. Yeah. Or, you know, just get mentally better and mentally better prepared. And um, shooting. That's one thing yeah. Clint kind of focused on, and he's he's right. That's the game. If you can't shoot, you're going to be limited. Yeah. Yeah, the defender's yeah. going to be the, the the young players who are listening to this. Uh, the scouting reports in college and NBA are so good. They know everything you're doing. Yeah. They know they know plays. People know plays. It's just a matter of can you stop them. It's funny because and the greatest players you still can't stop them. You know what yeah, they're doing at the college level. Yeah. So a lot of whether it's a, a, a Pac-12 school, right? Yeah. Say you know Joe Smith goes to goes to UCLA, and yeah. for the most part USC was also recruiting Joe Smith. Yeah, sure. So USC knows already if you're good at this or good at that. They sure. they already know your your skill set. So for me, Ronnie. The most important thing for a young player to do, this is a youth player, shoot. Yeah. From starting close in, shoot, 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 move out, shoot, 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 then dribble, then pass. Dribble, pass, and shoot. That's what every college coach, when we had that podcast um, with what, you know, we had had Ryan Battertelli from UC Irvine 
John Riley from Santa Barbara, yeah. Jason Hart from USC, and uh, uh, our guy Damian from Cal Poly Cal Pomona. Pomona. Every, I think all, all four of them said you need to be able to dribble, pass, and shoot. All yep. four of those guys. And in various ways. And in especially Damien, because he's yeah. not dealing with the high-level high guys, yeah. Athlete that can just <laughs> that they need to recruit. They're not getting those guys. Right. Ninety five percent of the kids listening to this podcast are division two or lower players. Yeah. Just be straight I, up. Be yeah. real about it. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Or the parents of the kids. Of those kids. Yeah. They want to learn. They wanted their kid to get better. No doubt. Um Dribble it's yeah. simple game. Dribble pass and shoot and footwork. Yeah. Those are kind of the four things that when I evaluate, that's what I look for. Yeah, and it's interesting because a lot of times you don't see that. You see glimpses of it, especially the footwork part. A lot of kids need a lot of work in that area. They're just, I call it stop and start and out of control and relaxed and explode. Some kids can't relax, meaning they're always out of control. Oh, for sure. Running into the fenders and getting charges called Devin. There's no need to to, to name names, but we saw that last year with three or four guys. We specifically said over and over. These kids keep doing this. They're always and some fed of them up. were good. Good. Pl- I mean, sure. they're gonna get a college scholarship. Man, if he would just learn how to stop, he would be awesome. And then there's some kids, as you mentioned, the other end. They they're always relaxed. They never explode. They just don't move. They don't move without the ball well. They're That's another a little thing. too cool for school. That's, that ties into basketball IQ for the most yeah. part. Moving without the ball, yeah. understanding how to set up and come off of a screen. Knowing they have where ability. The is and knowing where, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just they have ability and they don't move. Mm-hmm. Whether it's lazy, a little bit of laziness, a little bit of too school again, too cool again. It's not to point anybody out. It's just general observations we made. So you know, in that regard, you know, I was at the junior uh, ball is life junior all American camp, and I seen a lot of kids with a lot of enthusiasm. That's great to start, you know, with 700 kids. Having fun, to, having yeah. fun playing and playing hard, that's where it all yeah. starts at, is motor. And that was that was good. You know, um, it was a good event. 700 kids, that's a lot of kids, dude. I don't know how you can get, I mean, it was at uh, the American, uh, Sports, American Sports Center, so obviously you can get a whole lot of kids in there. But it went from second to eighth grade, so obviously uh, every little Johnny from across the country was interested in going to that camp because every year, um, Ball's Life this year teamed up with EBC, the guys over um, who, who do the open gym premiere over there, and they they have a, a great connection and great contact you know base on, on and they get kids in the door, man. Yeah, who's uh, some of the standouts that you saw? Let's talk about the um, four or five guys who were named uh, most outstanding players, and this is the eighth grade division and uh, the MVP. So the MVP was Jared McCain. He's a good player. He's going he's, to Corona Centennial, right? Yeah, he's five foot eleven, six foot guard, going to Corona Centennial. He's originally from Sacramento, California, and now lives in Southern California area. And he was joined by a guy who will join him at Corona Centennial, Aaron McBride. Alan McBride's younger brother, yeah. also a good player, 6'5", versatile. 6'4", 6'5". Yeah, real long, athletic yeah. guy. Um, a little Upright, more skilled. Yeah, yeah, a little more skilled than his brother right now at the same yeah. stage. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. And, and he, he's, he's, he's big. Obviously, he looked big out there. Yeah. If you didn't know, if you just walked in uh, raw... <laughs> You'd say, man, this guy's six six or something, you know. Yeah. He's probably a little shorter than that because the other kids are obviously smaller. Uh, he did a good job. Sebastian Mack from Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. He played for the Vegas Elite 14 and under. He's a good player. Uh, Sebastian can really score. He can shoot, hit the deep shot. Most likely he's going to Durango High School. Interesting. Um, Darius Clark, I believe he played for the truth. Um, 15 yes. and under. Yeah, 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 yeah. Darius Clark, I don't know what high school he's going to offhand. He's one of the MVPs. Um, Xavier Edmonds, mm-hmm. a Long Beach, California native. Going to Bishop Montgomery. Uh, yeah, he's a another inside big, strong player. 
He's him, got some good yeah. post footwork. And him and Alan McBride were kind of going at it. Those were the two kids that were like, okay, let's watch this inside a little bit. You know, half hooks, a uh, little bit of pounding. You know, elbow to the to the to the chest. They were kind of playing like inside, yeah. strong players, playing which physical. was good. Yeah, physical. They were playing physical. That was good to see. Um, one more uh, MOP who I didn't know that much about coming in did a great job was uh, point guard Caden Lamebull Ingram, uh, number three fifty six in the camp. Uh, terrific passer. Where's he going to high school? Do you know? I, I don't know where he's going okay. to high school. Uh, Where's he from? Caden is from Alaska Gold oh. Basketball. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. very they have, they have a good program up there. So maybe Caden's from Anchorage. Uh, I don't. I didn't get the details of that part. But they have a they have a good program that Alaska yeah. Blue Gold uh, Gold Alaska Gold program. They 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 put they, out a couple of good players and they go to various tournaments. That, yeah, yeah. You know Ryan Silver, Dinos, yep. and those guys run. So they they're there, and obviously his name Lane Bull Ingram caught me by. That caught my attention real fast after I found out he was one of the better players in the camp. So he must have maybe a Native American background or something, okay. you know, with the with the hyphenated name, Lane Bull Ingram. So that stood out, and he got in the cane. He really did strong kid. You know, we'll see how he develops into a high school and potentially uh, what level he can play at college. But, boy, at that level, he was really um, doing well. Another kid who did well uh, was Namir Robinson. From Nate, Seattle, Nate Robinson's Robinson, son. Yeah, Seattle Rotary, Nate Robinson's son, and the much younger group, Jamal Crawford's son was there. So Jamal Crawford had was giving. Uh, obviously, he's a Rainier Beach standout, just as as Nate was. He was giving the kids uh, some advice. He was, um, you know, his kid was smaller. I think third third that's, grade. That's a good guy to get advice from, though. Yeah, you know, he's uh, just kind of did it off the cuff. He wanted to speak to all the campers. I think they obviously some of them are a little young to really grasp it all in, but they'll remember it and spend the older kids did because they know who who uh who Jay Crossover is, you know. Yeah. So he was enjoying himself, real laid back in that in that regard, you know, done big time events, doesn't big time people. Um so that was a a a great lead up into what we're gonna see at your camp, Devin. So let's talk about that. It's on the tenth. It's yeah. coming up this weekend. Saturday. Give us the particulars. When does it start? Where is it at? And uh, maybe four or five guys, six guys that are signed yeah. So up it's at uh, it's at uh, Beckman High School in Irvine, California. Uh, my guy over there, John Goins, is a great dude. They have a great facility. Uh, I like having it there because it's it's very central to multiple freeways, and it's in Orange County. I'm an Orange County guy, so we keep it we keep it down this way. But, uh, yeah, it'll start – the skills stuff will start around 9.45 or, or 10 o'clock. Um, we have, you know, six or seven, you know, well-respected, highly regarded, uh, energetic skills trainers. AJ Gaspor is one. Mark Rogers and Clint, who were both on the show today, are, are two of the others. Deshaun Bryant played at, at Linwood back in the day. Um, Ryan Smith, he's a game point uh, 16U elite head coach. He's, he does a great job at Fallbrook High School. Um, and uh, – yeah, so what we'll do, do skills in the morning and then camp games will start around 1.15 or 1.30 and go go till 5.30. Um, entry is free for the public, so if you're interested in coming down and checking it out, uh, you're more than welcome to come down. There's plenty of room. Uh, a couple guys, Ronnie, I'm looking forward to seeing. To Javis Miller from Servite, L.A. elite kid, real strong guard. Yes. Uh, Peyton Watson will be there from Long Beach Poly. Obviously, he's blown up in the last couple of weeks after the live period he's gotten some high major and pac-12 offers yes i saw him um, at usa basketball he yeah. did well and 
he's obviously coming on as a as a as a prospect. Me and our and our and our guy uh, Paul Westfall did um, the Fairfax Long Beach Poly game at the at the Nike Stravaganza, and it was just from that point on, like it's just like okay, yeah, this guy's gonna be a real, really you know has a chance to be a really <coughs> yeah, high level long, player, long term upside. Yeah, and Devon Arlington from. Uh, San Marcos High School. I, I know you like his game a lot, as yeah. do I. He's a two twenty two guard. Uh, Jeremy Dent Smith from Gardena Sarah, another two twenty two guard who's very yeah. highly regarded, very talented. Uh, Justin Gladney from Fairfax. Keith Dinwiddie from Fairfax are, are likely to be there. Uh, Malik Thomas from Damien um, had a terrific, yeah. fantastic forty. Malik. Okay, cool. Yeah. AJ Johnson and Christian Holmes from the Fresno area, both incoming freshmen, both very good. We've seen them multiple times yeah. at whether it's a junior All-American camp for Pangos or, or I think they were probably at the, the EBC camp potentially uh, this past weekend. Grant Toll from Gridley. So I get a lot of guys from various areas of California to come down. That's which is, great. I mean, I'm glad that Grant year, Toll, that's good. Yeah. I'm glad that Grant Toll's coming because he's from Gridley. He did really good at the Pangos Fresh Soft camp, so I want to get another look at him. Uh, that's great news, and I'm, I'm glad that's growing. I'm glad you're expanding your yeah, base for I, that. I think one of the most, Men- most intriguing Players who's coming is is a is a the first girls player to ever uh, play in the skill summit. Tahina Papau from uh, La Jolla Country Day. She's going to Oregon. And she's a well known. She's player. good. Yeah, I mean, like she uh, might be make the, make Clint, the top twenty. <laughs> yeah, she could. Clint texted me and he was like, "Hey, can can she play?" And I said, "I'm like, as long as you like, yeah, vouch for her and she's good enough and like you think it's she not can, gonna hurt her. Or yeah, she yeah, she's physically like ready to good play. to go. Like yeah. he's like, oh no doubt she's gonna be one of the best guards there. I'm like, let's do it. Like yeah. I got no issue with that. No, it's great. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing her there. But this camp, Ronnie, like you said, it's growing a little bit. Um, but the fo- the reason why I did it is kind of the reason why we're talking about what we're talking about today is a lack of fundamentals in the game, sure. a lack of you know shooting ability, a lack of f- footwork. So I bring in a lot of guys who um, want to teach the game the way I think that it should be played or the way that, you know, a lot of the scouts that we interact with, me, you, and, yeah. and college coaches, you know, see that things are lacking, and that's what we're trying to implement. And I don't I do not do it to bring in high-level guys. You know, I don't yeah. – If they come, great. I don't yeah. text kids and be like, hey, come, you know, you're free, you're yeah. free. Uh, you know, I don't really reach out like that and yeah. do that. Like, I, I get people – texting me or Instagram DM me or Twitter DM me saying, hey, you should invite this guy to your camp. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, you just want guys who want to learn. I don't care. If you want to, if you, if a kid hits me up and says, hey, uh, I want to come to the camp, great. That's great. Here's the yeah. registration process. Yeah, <laughs> Here yeah you go. that's it. Yeah. That's it. I want, I want guys who want to be there. Guys. guys who want to be there, guys who want to get better and, you know, have kids who might not be as good as, as a Peyton Watson or a Kennedy Reese Dixon who will be there or a Malik Thomas yeah. and they're able to see what it takes to be a Kennedy Reese Dixon, yeah. a Peyton Watson. They see what they need yeah. to add to their game, and that's kind of what the, the the way I put it together. And it, it's in its second year of existence, um, and I'm at a sellout right now, so that's good Great. to know. That was the next question I was yeah. asking. Where's the sign-up information? You know, Hoopsplayman.com. I'm, I'm going to be you guys probably, are pretty much sold out. Yeah, I'm pretty much sold out. I'm probably going to be taking the registration down shortly. Um, but, again, I'm going to put up a, a wait list opportunity because I yeah. get various emails the last, you know, um, uh, three or four days saying, you know, this kid's hurt. He can't yeah, make great. it. Sure. We had family, something come up, can't make it. So it'll be a first come, first serve basis on the, the wait list. The wait list. You're, send me an email um, and I'll put that, all that information on Twitter. And uh, who, if someone drops, I'll hit you up and you're in. Sounds good. And 
if just as you said that kids could be in, uh, we're out. So mm-hmm. we're about to close the yeah, show. That was thanks, a good show. Yep. Thanks for our to our uh, three special guests to talk about training and where that industry goes. And hopefully, this Saturday at the Hoops by Ugly Summit Skill Summit, that we get some more of that, and it's going towards the right way again. Like Clint said, I don't think we're gonna stop that locomotive. No, and uh, you know, but we're gonna try to do our best to give the inform best information possible and the best advice possible. Yep, yep, and that's what we're here for, and that's what we'll be here for next week. Not sure what the topic is yet. I'm sure something will pop up within the next couple of days. But again, we appreciate all you guys listening in each and every week uh, for episode 33 of the Ball's Life in the Paint Show. Ronnie and Devin are out. <laughs>